You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. We stand this morning in our position as the heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. We sing from our position as sons of God. Not minding what is currently contending with us, contending for our faith, contending against our peace, trying to steal our joy. And so we declare today in the name of the Lord Jesus that every burden is lifted. We declare a fresh supply of the spirit of joy upon every person under the sound of my voice. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, our Father. We have obeyed your word. You said to sing and we declare, Lord, the rest of this day, the rest of the month of February, till the end of the year, only songs of joy and rejoicing will be heard in our courts. In the name of Jesus, we give you our praise, our Father. We thank you. We worship you this morning. In Jesus' name we've worshipped and prayed. Amen and amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. Good morning again, family. It's great to have everyone in church today. Would you please help me welcome the person sitting beside you? Smile at them. Tell them it's, it's great to have them in church. Oh, I missed you guys too. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, okay, let's welcome everyone who's also worshiping online. Our online family, we love you. We hope to see you guys in church soon. Well, if you are in Lagos, whenever you come to Nigeria, to Lagos, feel free to visit us. We would love to have you. Okay, so... Um, just one thing I want to say, Ukraine, Russia. Let's just keep praying for Ukraine. And if you have family members that are there, just know that. Be rest assured that the church is praying um, for that country in this season. And we trust that an end will come to this war and this rumors of war that brother Putin is trying so hard to declare. We pray for peace in Ukraine in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, um, we'll be having our first Friday mini vigil. This Friday, yes, the first one this year. Um, and it promises to be a truly refreshing time in God's presence. So it's an extended time of praying and worshiping. Um, and of course, we'll be sharing the word as well. It's happening this Friday, 7 o'clock to 10 o'clock. Um, we call it a mini vigil because it doesn't extend all the way until the next day. So it's really mini, super mini. It's like bite-sized, something light type of vigil. But the content is not something light, I promise you. It's just the number of hours, the duration. So feel free to invite a friend. We look forward to having you. Um, please, please, please. It'll be great to have everyone be a part of the first Friday vigil. Also, we're supposed to have our workforce family meeting. So if you volunteer, 
here at LifePoint, you serve in any team. We're supposed to meet today after service, but we've moved that to next week, Sunday. Okay, so it's, it will happen after service next week, Sunday. Um, so please, by all means, when you come next week, don't be in a hurry to leave if you serve. And if you would like to be a part of the workforce, we also invite you to stay behind for that meeting. Um, I'll be sharing um, the goals of the church. We're supposed to have held that meeting earlier, uh, but we've had a couple of things um, contending with our time or contend for our time. So um, just the goals of the church, the vision for this year, what it, what, what it is that LifePoint seeks to achieve and how you can be a part of it. So feel free to stay by after service on Sunday for this meeting. And of course, it's a good time to catch up. We've not like bonded in a bit. So we'll have food, light refreshments. All right, let's get into the word. Father, we thank you. Uh, we've come to you. Uh, we thank you because you are set for us. You have prepared for us. So Lord, I thank you for the anointing to teach, to preach, um, and over us all, the doing of your word. Thank you so much because we're not only here as uh, we will do your word. We will live for you. You would establish us in truth and in righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Um, we're starting a new teaching series today, and it's one that is really, really interesting. And I say that because the conversations in the course of... So this Sunday and all through the month of March, I want to please appeal that you don't miss church because we're going back to the basics well, but going back to um, our Christian foundation, and we're going to re-interact with the fundamentals of our Christian faith. And I suspect maybe one or two people have questions. You know, um, there'll be opportunities to ask questions as we go through the month during our unplugged conversations. That's the last Sunday in March. Uh, but if you can or you know friends who are unable to make church in the morning, invite them to come for exchange um, that's our evening service and starts at 5 o'clock. There we are able to um, ask questions a whole lot more than we can in the morning service. The, the structure and the design of the service allows for interaction. So you can share your thoughts. Oh, I don't agree. BWS, you said this. I don't believe. I think it should be like this and all. You know, we, we take that at the exchange. But in the morning service, not really until the last Sunday of the month. Okay, so... This teaching series is tagged Set Apart, Set Apart. And the term Set Apart is another term that is used to refer to the word sanctified. Okay? So you read certain translations and it would use the word sanctified. Um, and in other translations, it would use the word Set Apart. And essentially this month, so when I say this month, permit me, I know we're ending February, so I'm essentially referring to March. But this month... Um, the process and the lifestyle of our emergence, because we've been talking about the need to emerge in different areas from the beginning of January. It demands a commitment to living life according to God's standard and according to God's nature. A lot of us want to evolve in different areas of our lives. You want to evolve relationally, you want to evolve financially, you want to evolve intellectually. We also need to evolve in our faith. And to be able to effectively evolve in our faith, we need to understand who God is. We need to understand the fundamentals of our faith. We need to understand what are the things that please God. How can we live a life that pleases him? You know, um, 
Meanwhile, we should celebrate Adaramati for that amazing God experience. Please go ahead and put your hands together for him. Thank you so much for sharing with us. God bless you. Because some of the things you shared already, you know, and God is very intentional, speaks to some of the things that I'm going to be talking about today. I'm like, guy, he's preaching my message already. I might as well just give him the notes to finish it, you know. But that is who God is. God isn't the father that looks at a child and wants the child to remain a baby or a toddler forever. It is his desire to see us grow. And we've spoken about what emergence means to us in different areas. But primarily in our walk with God, you cannot serve, you cannot worship, you cannot love when you don't have an understanding of who God is and how to approach him, how to worship him, how to love him, what pleases him. And so that is why I said we're going back to the basics to understand certain things. So think about when, when, when you hear the phrase set apart, and that's the teaching series, but today's conversation or today's message is start the gift and practice of righteousness. The gift and practice of righteousness. When we hear righteousness, especially in our generation and in our own demographic, those are not the kind of things we want to really sit down and be talking about in church. You want or you would rather talk about 10 keys to success or, you know, how to, how to make it in the 21st century, how to blow. And there are a lot more interesting conversations, how to find the husband of your dreams and all what not. But let me just give you a very simple summary to all of those things. And those desires are fine. It's okay to want to hear these things. And we're going to talk about them. We're going to talk about sex. We'll talk about love. We'll talk about marriage. We'll talk about finances. We'll talk about, we'll talk about everything because the word of God encapsulates all of these things. So in the course of the year, we'll talk about all of these things. But we want to start with righteousness first. Because this God, we must please him. If he means all that we say he means to us, then we need to understand him better. We need to open up ourselves to view things from his own perspective. And that is what he's calling us to. It's a higher walk. It's a higher level of relationship and intimacy. Just in case you're here and you're feeling like, well, I got that on lockdown, you know. Me and God, we're cool like that. Righteous, uh-uh, easy peasy. But he wants you to come up higher, even in your walk with him. So there is something for each and every person this month. And you need to plug in okay so i was going to talk about you know being set apart scripture says popular scripture and i think it's first peter 2 9 yeah it says you're a chosen generation you're a royal priesthood you're a holy nation god's own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light so you have been set apart, taken out of darkness and brought into light for everyone who has given their hearts to Jesus. That is what happened to your spirit. You were translated from the kingdom of darkness and repositioned into light. Now, how did we even get into darkness in the first place? I mean, we're all born into it. But if you go through the scriptures, you will see the story of the fall of man in Genesis and how man brought us into that place of enmity with God the first man, but then the second man in the, in the form of Jesus arises and reconciles us back to God. 
That is it in a summary. So God would look at certain people in scriptures and he would say, you know, set, set aside this person. Or he would look at, um, what's his name now? What's this man's name? Samson, yes, for example. And he would say, look, I have set apart Samson. You know, he'll be a Nazarene. He's dedicated to me. His life is meant to believe for me. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't, you don't cut his hair. You shouldn't drink. And he gives a set of rules. When we are set apart, it means that there are certain things that we cannot do. There are certain lifestyles that we cannot live. It means that what pleases God has got to become our priority. A lifestyle that pleases God has got to be what we prioritize. So, speaking about the gift and the practice of righteousness, let me read quickly from 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 18. And then I'll read verse 21. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. That shows us the work that Jesus did on that cross. Again, remember this short story I told you about the fall of man. Man was created, sin came into play, man became separate from God, man died spiritually, you know, man died a spiritual death. Jesus comes into the picture. Jesus takes man by the hand and reconciles us to God by reason of his sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. Okay, his death and his resurrection. Until there was that shedding of blood, there was no remission of sin. So that blood had to be shed. Jesus had to die. So no matter how much Peter and the likes could have prayed against it, Jesus had to die. Otherwise, you and I will not be here today. We will not be seated here today. We'll probably be needing to bring, um, let me see, Nifemi, we need to bring a lion to come and shed the blood of the lion because of the enmity. <laughs> enormity of his sins i'm just joking some people when you bring doves chicken your sin is, is chicken sin you know for some people it's elephants you need an elephant to come and sacrifice and shed the blood of a whole elephant so in fact you need several just joking but you get the picture so jesus already offered up that sacrifice for us hallelujah isn't someone excited about that that you can rest on the finished work of the cross you can rest in the sacrifice of Jesus and you can approach God by reason of that, you know, reconciliatory work that Jesus did. Okay, so our righteousness is not of our own. And I find that, I mean, growing up as a Christian, I remember getting born again and I thought I needed to, you know, there were certain things I, I was under so much pressure. And I don't know if anybody here can relate until I gained knowledge and wisdom from the scriptures and of, of course from teachers. But I just thought, it felt so hard to be a Christian. It felt so hard. And I, I suspect somebody's nodding quite seriously to that, that even in our world today, it's even harder. But because I was trying to earn God's approval, I was trying to do a work that had been done already, that had been done, signed, sealed, delivered. And I thought that it was by my efforts that the amount of effort I put into being right with God is what determined the level or my level of righteousness. 
But that is not what the word says. The word says, he made him who knew no sin to be seen that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So what that means invariably is when I accepted Jesus into my heart, when I received his love, when I confessed my sins and I made him Lord and Savior over my life, I received the gift of righteousness. So part of what we want to do this morning is to unpack that gift. Because again, Valentine's Day was a few days away. Maybe some people have not opened their Valentine gift. You, go, <laughs> you looked at the size of the box and you figured that it was not the iPhone 13 Pro that you are looking for. You shook it and it didn't sound like it, so you have left the gift there. Or for some people, your Christmas gifts have stayed unopened. Maybe you're not a gift person. So we want to unpack it because we realize that in this world, as Christians, we have not unwrapped this gift fully. So the first thing to note is that righteousness is God's gift to us. See, it's the state of being acceptable to God in nature, based on his standards, not our standards, not the world's standards. So some of us are aspiring to this life of righteousness, but we're using the world's standards. We're using the standards that people have defined for us over time, without necessarily gaining an understanding of what is God's standard of righteousness. What does it mean? And we are in a generation where there is a lot of versions of truth. People can justify their lifestyle using this scripture, using this Bible. Some people would do stuff and you will be amazed and they will show you how that the Bible sort of corroborates it. And so part of our responsibility this month is to help us understand righteousness as God's standard of living. Okay? So Isaiah 61 verse 10, it says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord, my soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation, and he has covered me with the robe of righteousness. So these are gifts that we have freely received from God. That is something someone needs to take away from here. That your righteousness is not of your own effort, it's not of your own doing. It's not like the story of the young rich ruler that came to Jesus and said, I have checked every box concerning the law. I give alms, I keep the Ten Commandments, this is not it. There is nothing that you could have done to deserve, uh, how do I put it now, to earn that robe of righteousness. But for God, and the fact that you, the only effort you took was to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's the only work that you did. He says he clothes you with garments of salvation. And he clothes you with a robe of righteousness. That is who our Father is. See, he had already made available the propitiation of our sins even before you and I were born. Because he knows that we are living in a fallen world. In a fallen world with fallen standards. And as such, he had to make provision for us to be able to relate with him. Because God is love, but God is also holy. God is love, but God is also just. God is love but God is also righteous. So as much as he loves us, he desires for us to come into that relationship with him and enjoy full intimacy with him. But for us to be able to do that, we need to embrace his lifestyle. 
we need to embrace his lifestyle of righteousness. So, we've been chosen, reconciled to God, and made acceptable to him. Therefore, we are righteous. He makes us acceptable. We don't make ourselves acceptable. He makes us acceptable. Okay? Another point to note is righteousness is the believer's identity. It is our nature. When you are saved, that is your nature. And it is not a set of activities. So we don't go around like the Pharisees or the Sadducees with our hands behind our back with long ropes and we go past. We don't go through. Now, if you're a student of scripture, you'll probably be familiar with the story of uh, the Samaritan woman and Jesus. You know, scripture says the people typically will go past to get to, where is that place they're trying to get to? Is it Jerusalem or where now? But they have to go past. They will ne- the shortcut was to go through Samaria. But because people didn't want to be contaminated, the Jews didn't want to be contaminated by mingling with the, Pharise- uh, the, the Samaritans, they will go through. But Jesus, sorry, they would go past, but Jesus went through and he had an encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well. So it is not in flowing robes. It is not in a somber outlook to life. It is not in sitting and praying 24 hours a day, seven days a week, studying the scripture. It is great to pray. It is great to study. Don't get me wrong. But God did not create you to sit on this earth and read Bible 24 hours, pray 24 hours. With all the wisdom and the, and the abilities and the skills he put into you, he created you to deploy those giftings and graces on the earth to be earthly relevant as much as you are eternity focused. So it is not in our doing. It is in our being with God. Okay? Our righteousness is not in our efforts. It is not in how much you serve in church. For some of us, we have equated our level of sanctity or sanctimonious living, essentially, to how much activity I do in God's house. So I will clean chair, I will sweep the floor, I will sing in the band, I will join the prayer team, I'm in every unit, and that is all I'm doing. And God is like, guy... That's not it. This thing you are trying to earn, I have already freely given it to you. It's a gift. But you need to understand it and you need to understand the practice of it so you can continue to abide in it. That's how you please me. It is not in your several efforts. Okay? So moving on, um, Romans 14, 17 there. I'm not going to read the scripture, but there we see how righteousness is a foundational force of the kingdom. It gives us a sense of access A sense of belonging and inclusiveness in the family of God. That is what righteousness does, okay? So you know how it is that you go and visit your friend? You get to your friend's house, depending on the level of friendship you have with that friend. So let's assume it's a a colleague, a work colleague. You guys just started working together, and she invited you over for drinks, and you went to her house. Please, do you open the door and go straight to her bedroom? No, you will respect yourself. They have just invited. It's your first visit. You will sit down. In fact, they will offer you the seats before you sit. Then they will ask you, what would you like to drink? But remember those, your primary school bodies, secondary school bodies, 20 years plus type relationship, 10 years plus, that you, are, you guys are bodies. You people even used to sleep over in your parents' house and things like that. When such friends come visiting, 
Once you get the door for them, that's if they don't have a spare key. They can enter your fridge. You know those kind of friends? They enter your fridge. They go to different places. Exactly. Now, think about yourself. Um, let's see, those who have kids, okay? So, when your children want to... When they come to the house or they come... The most they will do is to knock before they enter your bedroom. If you have younger kids, you are still teaching them how to even knock because they just barge in and they go straight to your bed. They believe that they are entitled to be on your bed and to be in your space. They don't understand the meaning of you know, privacy. This is mommy and daddy's bedroom. Mm -mm. So think about it. So do, you, do you go to your parents' house and you, what, you schedule an appointment to be able to visit them in the house and things like that? Absolutely not. But I mean, I know that homes are run differently. I remember growing up and I had a friend. We used to live on the same street. And I would go to, I remember the first day I visited their house. Now, in my own house, we're a nuclear family. We, we weave my father's hair. My father used to leave out his hair for us to be able to weave his hair. We were that kind of jumped, do piggyback rides and things like that. So I was shocked. Um, as a, I, I guess I was, you know, I was under 10 when I went to visit this neighbor. And they're so civil in their house. Very formal. Like they address their father. They don't say father. They don't say dad. They don't say daddy, baba, papa, nothing. It is sir. Yeah, sir. So you can imagine my shock. Meanwhile, I'm coming from a background where when we want to address our friends, you know how kids these days say it? Zoe's mommy. So in my own day, we used to say uncle something or auntie something, you know. But now it is, they call the name of the child and they put the mommy or the daddy at the back. But we needed to also address my friend's folks as sir. In fact, it was just, it was just the father, actually. Sir. So when the mom is sending the kids on, you know, a message to the father, she said, go and tell sir that dinner is ready. And I could not, for the life of me, I did not get it. So I remember getting home that first day and telling my mom, why do they call their father sir? Is it not their father? Because my, to my young mind, I did not get it. But that is not the point. I know that families operate in different ways. Maybe, maybe it's military background. I don't even know what it is. But bringing that into our relationship with God, we, scripture says to us in Romans, that we can call God what? Abba, Father. We call him Father. We call him Father. And so when you are approaching God as a son to a father, and I use son here loosely, not, it's not gender defined. It is that I am saying Father. Ha, I have misbehaved. But when he looks at me as his child, who is a believer, he sees me through the lenses of the finished work of the cross. He sees me through the blood of Jesus. And so I am not, and this needs, this, someone here needs to get this, okay? Because the enemy's work is to separate us. And scripture would say, what can separate us from the love of God? Nothing. He goes ahead, is it famine, is it poverty, is it different things? Is it guilt, is it shame, is it condemnation? The biggest tool the enemy tries to use for believers is guilt and condemnation. So you, 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 you goof, you make a mistake, you know, you sin, and we separate out of guilt and condemnation. 
We shy away from approaching God. What do we do with our earthly fathers when we offend them? We go to them and we say we're sorry. Someone, that is all you need to do today before the service is over. Just tell God, I am sorry, Father. Because he's your father. Again, he has clothed you with garments of salvation. And he has enriched you with the robe of righteousness. Okay? So, the gift of righteousness. Romans 3, 22 to 24. Just note that down. It says, the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So we don't attain righteousness by our deeds or self-efforts, okay? It is a gift from God. The gift of righteousness makes us blameless and acceptable to God, okay? So it was what Jesus had to do. He had to gift us this righteousness through his death and his resurrection when we became saved so that we are acceptable to God because God is holy. He cannot change his nature. That is who he is. He is holy. So for us to be able to relate with him, I mean, God is, is amazing. There's so, he's, he's multifaceted that we need to continue to just understand him. He, he's so loving so much so that he has made the plans. He knows my children will fall into sin because they are in a fallen world. They will make mistakes and I need for them. They matter to me. So I need to ensure that I have made provision for them to be able to relate with me when they make these mistakes, when they fall away. Okay? Um, so just as with every gift, we get the full benefit of the gift of righteousness when we understand the nature of this gift the functions and the features of the gift. So moving on quickly into the practice of righteousness. How do we practice this right standing with God? These gifts that we have received, what should that look like in our day-to-day -day living? That is what we mean by the practice of righteousness. What should that look like in our everyday life? How do I not misappropriate this gift? How do I understand its features and its function you know, so much so that I am pleasing God because of my knowledge of, of this life. The first thing to do, um, but before I, let me just read a scripture in 1 John 3. So there are quite a number of scriptures that I would encourage you to just note down um, and go and meditate on after now. It says, dear children, 1 John 3 verses 7. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous. This is the New Living Translation. Even as Christ is righteous. Do we have it on screen? Can we have the New Living Yeah. Can we read it together, everyone? One, two, go. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. Next verse, we're going to nine. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. Pause. 
those who are what? Born into God's family. Every believer, everyone who said that prayer, everyone who's accepted Jesus into their life is born into God's family. To practice righteousness, it means that there is a practice. The, the opposite of the practice of righteousness, the lifestyle of righteousness, is the lifestyle of sinning, and that's what it's showing us here. Do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't, can we finish it? So they can't keep on sinning. Why? Because they are children of God. I feel like that has to be the most important scripture for someone here today. We are children of God. And as such, we cannot make a practice of a lifestyle of sin. We need to cease. We need to separate ourselves. And I know someone here is thinking, but I have tried. You know, there's this besetting sin that keeps at me, that keeps coming at me. There is this thing that I have been dealing with. There is this lifestyle that I have tried. I, I really want God to be happy with me. I want to please him. But there's this thing that keeps contending with, with my faith and, and, and keeps making me, I feel like a failure on this particular matter. For someone, it's anger. I just feel like my anger can destroy and it actually has destroyed vital relationships. It has done it for someone. It's like, my, I'm trying hard, but the body count keeps increasing. You know, it's, I don't know what it is I'm looking for, but I come to church and I feel okay. By Monday, the urges are back. And I feel like I'm losing control. We're going to be addressing different variants of all of this lifestyle of sinning um, as we go along in this month. But here's what you need to know. First of all, your position. The fact that you are a child of God. And for someone here, you're like, well, all of these things you've mentioned, BWS, they are, that's not me. I, I think I do right by God, mostly. But let the Holy Spirit reveal to you the areas where you need to make adjustments. Those little things that you know have sort of stolen from you. You know, sometimes those little things, like anger, you know, like jealousy, they open up, they open up some sort of portal that allows the enemy to take advantage because you are still largely soulish, you know, and when your emotions are at play, when you don't address and you don't nip them in the bud before they grow into something else. Scripture says in James, desire gives way to sin and sin eventually leads to death. So there are things that we are dealing with that started out as very, very tiny seeds. They don't look like much, but they have now grown into a forest. I pray that the Holy Spirit would open your eyes to see exactly what it is that needs to be addressed in your life. In Jesus' name, amen. So what do we do and how do we maintain this practice of righteousness as against a practice of sinning? The first thing is to understand and accept God's principles for holy living. Understand and accept God's principles for holy living. Romans 12, 1-2 is the popular scripture. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. It is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Our mind has a very vital role to play. Because there is so much coming at us. We feed ourselves with so much ungodly content. 
See, you are eventually, we, we, and they say these things, we hear maybe motivational speakers, see, but there's some truth to it. You are what you watch, you are what you eat, you are who you hang out with. So who are your friends? What kind of content do you enjoy consuming? I was listening to some people recently that Netflix now, low-key, has become porn sites. Yes, care. It's true. Sometimes I can't, I, I don't want to turn on my profile. When, when I say my profile, now you know those recently, no, not even the recently, or the new releases, or what's that thing they call it on Netflix? New In or whatever, the number one, the, yeah, top, uh, top 10 in Nigeria. I'm like, ah, this is what Nigerians are watching. Top 10 in Nigeria, everything is naked woman, naked man, kissing. Yeah. So I don't even, I can't turn on my profile when my children are there because they're like, how do you want to be explaining these things? So, Loki, it has become porn sites. But you, we check your profile, and all your recently watched are all the naked, 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 naked ones. And you say, you, when you finish at night before you sleep, you purge, you will detox. You would, you would listen to, to gospel music, and you would pray. And you would read one or two scriptures, you read a psalm, and you would go to bed. And then you now have one dream where somebody's doing something with you in the night. You now say, they are chasing you from your village. Meanwhile, what you have fed yourself with is simply what you have begun to dream at night. So please, the practice of righteousness. There are some things that you, some people need to go and, you need to go and delete your Netflix profile. You are, just delete it for some time. Just take a break. If you really want to de detox, just take a break from Netflix. For some others, yours is deeper than Netflix. But the Lord will have mercy on you. You know those accounts you need to delete. If I just remember the picture of somebody of a little child washing their parents' laptop came down. Some of you need to go and <laughs> you need to unsee. You know that meme, unsee. You need to there's so many things you need to unsee. But we know that your laptop is a work too, so we can't say go and burn it or go and throw it away. Or... But accountability will be very great for you in this season. If you're truly looking to live in a life of righteousness, the life that pleases God. Remember, the righteousness is a gift. You've been handed, it has been handed to you. But how do I please God in, with this life? How do I walk with him? How do, I don't, how do I not keep going back to say, Father, I'm sorry? Every five, five minutes, I'm coming back to Father, I'm sorry. Thank God God is not man. I remember one time we offended my dad. So I lent a, a I'm the first child. So every time, my, my punishment is always harder as the first. Once we misbehave at home, I take responsibility for everything my siblings did. And it was so annoying. But I saw my father's weakness even as a child. When you have an analytical and logical plus melancholic and choleric child, these things will... I figured that my father had a very soft, for, soft spot for my younger sister. And so I started to leverage it. So there was one time we were playing in the house and then we had this like glass, whatever, whatever. Bottom line, we were some assaulting, we were doing gymnastics and I broke it. I kicked the thing and the glass shattered. My, when my father came back from work that day, I simply just told myself, I threatened my younger sister, ah, if you don't do, I will finish you when he goes. So of course, I pushed her forward 
And so she went. And then I got another thing. So in my house, we grew up, we, were, we didn't used to like, go on our knees to greet my dad. But I noticed that the first day I did this thing to apologize to him, he, ah, it's, my father forgot my, he forgot the scene. And so I started doing it until the day he too figured that this was, you know, a strategy and he cut it short. I got a beating. But when I sent my sister, my sister went and knelt down in front of my, my dad and she's like, dad, I'm so sorry. We were playing and the ball hit the, uh-uh. my father said, it's okay, it's okay, my darling, it's all right. <laughs> The second time. So when she goes and kneels like me, I would do my own kneeling at the back because I'm the first one that they can extend the hand right, the right hand of fellowship at. I'm the older one. So my father used to beat me, but he won't touch them. We did this thing like three times. The fourth time, my father figured it out. The way he kicked, plus my younger sister and me, the way he kicked us out of his room, you know. Well, my point is, this lifestyle of righteousness that God is calling us to, It cannot be the one that are coming every day and we're saying, Father, forgive me. And I will go back to the very same thing that I have just requested forgiveness for. And I'm coming back and I'm saying, Father, forgive me. See, it is okay too. He will always forgive us. He's merciful and he's kind. And there's no time he would ever shut the book and say, it's okay. I'm not doing it again. It's all right. What is it? Can't you just even learn and be wise and grow? Mm Mm-mm. Aside from the fact that there are consequences for action. See, this law is governed by rules. There's, There's order. Eh? The systems of the world, God allows it function based on rules and regulations and consequences and action. So we need to understand that, which is why mercy comes into play. That the mercy of God will go and overturn the effects of the consequences of misdemeanors. Which is why you might find that someone has done something really grievous, but the way the outcome of the matter pans out, you cannot understand it. God will be merciful to a repentant heart. But we cannot make a practice of a lifestyle of sin all the time. Paul will say, shall we continue in sin? Why? So that the grace of God will continue to abound? God forbid. And so this is a call to each and every one of us, both online and in the room, to embrace this lifestyle of righteousness. What are the areas where you need to move from that practice of sin and embrace the practice of righteousness and how do we do it so we've said the first thing is to understand and accept God's principles second is to submit to the leadership of the Holy Spirit it is so important see a lot of the things we're trying to do by our efforts the Holy Spirit can help us we need to submit to his leading completely We need to allow him work in us to make us willing and able to please God. Only he can. So that's the weapon. That's the superpower we have as believers. But we don't use it again. Remember the gift of righteousness that I said is wrapped and we don't touch. The Holy Spirit helps us in our infirmities. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. The Holy Spirit helps the one that is surrendered. Where I wake up every day and I present my body as a living sacrifice and I'm like, Holy Spirit, help me. The people around me are about to test the Christian in me. Help me. Let my words be seasoned with grace. Let me speak grace. Let my words not destroy someone today because I know that once I open this my mouth, the kind of ammunition that comes out of it when I am angry 
Holy Spirit, help me. See, and it is not about being, you know, a lot of us, we have, a lot of, we have gone to really great schools. We have solid education. You make a lot of money. And there's a way, Adam Ramati said very important things here this morning. There's a way we can come to a place and we think, look, I, this Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, help me. You'll be shouted like a crazy person in your room where no one sees you there. So that when you step out and they see you all put together, they don't know that the Holy Spirit is at work in you. When they test those buttons and they press and they, they don't know what is going on. You know, some of us, I don't know if you've encountered people who used to know you in your past. And they're expecting certain types of reactions. They're expecting you to behave a certain way. They're expecting you to show up for drinks with the boys. They're expecting you, you know, all those, uh, those things that Adaramati, I cannot remember the names. Aside from weed and the, those other extra things. They expect you to be able to light up one and, you know, be all right. But when you show up and you're like, what is going on with you? Why are you different? And you say, it's not even the kind of different thing. <laughs> we are light and our light must shine. Please let me tell the person sitting beside you. You are light and your light must shine. You have got to be that person that they will call on and say, ha, we don't know what's going on. You used to do it with them before. And you lay hands on someone who's convulsing. Or you speak a word into someone's life. Or you show up at your friend's with your suit and your... Because everybody just thinks that to give a word, you must be a pastor. Absolutely not. That you show up at your place of work. You show up at your business meeting. And you look at one of your employees and you say, look, your wife, there was something you did to her last night. You know, you need to go and say you're sorry. You know, she's really unhappy. And they're like, how on earth does my boss know this? That is light. And light must shine in this generation because scripture says that God... Gross darkness covers the people. Darkness covers the earth. See, the world is getting darker and darker, guys. It is getting darker and darker. That is why light needs to shine. You must arise. If I've not given you a reason to embrace the life of righteousness, at least you are light. For your light to shine, for you to be able to please God effectively, for God to be able to walk through you, for him to be able to use you as he intends, he needs for you to align your lifestyle with his. He needs to know that you prioritize the things that matter to him. And holiness matters to him. Holiness matters to him. See, I'm not going to get into whether how we are dressing or how we are not dressing. But I know that by the time you are done, for someone this month, by the time you are done with this series, the Holy Spirit would have had conversations. Well, your clothes, it's just that you can't bring them to church because there's nobody who will give them to. But some of your wardrobe, you will go and trash them. Because you will know that this is not the effort you put into wearing half a yard. Or the effort you put into showing your boobies that will get you the man of your dreams. It is not that. And I'm sorry if I... I did not plan to get on this table today. But it's the truth. And we have got to tell the truth. See, scripture says in John 1.14, and I'll end, I end with this scripture because we should pray. John 1.14. Please, can we have it up? John 1.14. Let me just find it in my Bible. People are not going to. Is it up? Okay. It says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Who is this word? Jesus. Jesus was full of grace and truth. 
He was not some parts grace, some parts truth. He was all grace and he was all truth. So we are in a generation where we think it is only the grace message we are preaching. It is grace and truth. Grace says, I love you for who you are. But I do not endorse that lifestyle. I do not endorse that behavior. That is truth. It is my responsibility because I love you to tell you the truth. Jesus would do this with the woman that was caught in adultery. When they brought her to him, he would say, when they, oh yeah, cast the first stone now if you have no sin. When nobody could, he would ask the woman, where are the people who brought you? The people who condemn you? And she would say, they've all gone. He said, neither do I condemn you. But, what does he say to her? He says, go and sin no more. He addresses the issue. Sometimes we read that story of, adult, of the woman and we think, oh, Jesus just embraced her. And you know, he just loved her through the process and he made excuses for her. He recognized sin for what it was. It was sin. And he called it out. He says, go and sin no more. So, there's a, there's, there's, there's a message we're going to touch on this month of March. That has to do with, you know, our liberalism and our tolerance in our generation. And it is great. Because I see us say a lot of things. Oh, God is, you know, God is merciful. Yes, he is. God is love. Absolutely. But God is also holy. And he wants you and I to come up higher from this lowly state of sinning, of the practice of sinning and embracing the life of righteousness. Let us rise up and pray. Accountability is important. I had said that earlier. In case someone is looking, how, so how, on, how do I proceed from here? You need to find friends, godly friends you can be accountable to. You need to stop cohabiting. You need to stop sleeping over. Someone, you need to, it's, it's as basic as just even deleting your, 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 your Netflix profile. Just taking a break. You need to find mentors that you can, you know, help, that, that can help you. You need to embrace wisdom in this season. And there's so many things. What is it, is it you in particular are dealing with? The Holy Spirit is enough help for you. And you need to surrender to his leadership and his ministry. So can we just pray? Can we pray this morning? And ask God, we're asking for the help of the Holy Spirit. We're asking for the ministry of the Holy Spirit in every area of our lives. In the name of Jesus. Please go ahead and pray. You know what it is. If your desire is really to please God, if your desire is really to live for Him, if you are done with the, I'm cool with you today, I'm out tomorrow, I'm living my life day after, and then when I fall into, into problem, I remember you again. If you really want to just surrender to Him and let Him guide you, let Him take over your life, do you want to ask the Holy Spirit for help? Holy Spirit, help me. It's a very simple prayer. Holy Spirit, help me. In this particular area of my life, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me to live for God. Help me to please Him. Help me to love the way He does. And help me to, help me to appreciate the things that are important to Him. Help me be holy. And I know it's a very weird prayer to pray. But Lord, I'm right now, I'm not, I'm not where I should be with you. And I know it. Mention that besetting sin. Mention that thing that is talking at you. For some, it's not even sin. It is just the manifestation of your carnal nature. You are very carnal. And carnality is not fully sin. 
But sin is an expression of the carnal nature. I don't know if that makes sense to someone here. Your carnal nature is your five senses, engaging life with your five senses, reasoning and, uh, 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 and doing life with your five senses. You are very carnal, and it's not an insult, but it is that you are unable to appreciate the things of God because you appropriate them with your five senses. So this morning, do you want to ask for the help of the Holy Spirit? Do you want to, uh, Holy Spirit, baptize me. Father, baptize me afresh with your spirit. Baptize me afresh with your spirit. I cannot, I should no longer be making decisions just with my five senses. I don't want to be carnal. I'm only thinking of how I'm feeling, you know, my, my, my taste, my appetite for the things of, 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 of the flesh just seems to be increasing on a daily basis. My appetite to consume, to be, for some, it is things like affirmation, you know, pleasing men. It's just different things. Meanwhile, God is calling you to a life of separation, of separating yourself to him so that he can speak to you and all. But you are more in, interested in what men see on the outward. You are more interested in the outward appearance. And so your life is, is you know, it revolves around that. So do you want to ask, Holy Spirit, help me. In the name of Jesus. Let us pray and ask anything that is enabling our old nature. And feel free, if you want to sit, go ahead and sit. Take a comfortable position. Anything that is enabling your old nature. And it's preventing you from enjoying God as your father. Would you declare that those things are subdued in the name of Jesus? So I want us to make this declaration. Father, I declare in the name of Jesus that anything, that anything enabling my old nature, enabling the sin nature in me is subdued. In Jesus' name, go ahead and pray. Anything that makes the old nature come alive. Anything that makes you chase after the things of the world. Scripture says, do not be conformed. Do not be conformed to the world. Do not be conformed to the things of the world. Do not chase after the things of the world, your desires, your goals, your priorities cannot be or should not be the things that men chase after. He says, let your mind be transformed. So would you declare that my spirit man is enabled to live a life that pleases God, that my flesh is subdued and my spirit man comes alive. My flesh is subdued and my spirit nature comes alive. My flesh is subdued and my spirit nature comes alive. In the name of Jesus. I want us to take lastly our declaration. You know, the declaration we normally make to close service. It, it is such a powerful prayer. And someone needs to understand it. That, that scripture, Psalm 1 verses 1 to 3. It is actually the blessing and the posture. You know, the, the, the posture and the position of, of blessedness. So can we take it together if you know it? Blessed am I. It's a declaration. Blessed am I. Go ahead. For I walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. That speaks to your decision making. Nor stand in the way of sinners. Nor sit in the seat of the scornful. But my delight is in the word of the Lord. And in his word I meditate day and night. I am like a tree 
planted by rivers of water. I bring forth my fruits in my season. My leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever I do prospers. The first two verses I want us to just declare. Father, I am blessed. I do not, you know, walk in the counsel of the ungodly. I do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. See, the ungodly are those who are enemies of God. They are those who are forsaking the way. They, they, they did not choose his path. But those are some of the people we are rolling with. So we're saying, Father, separate us from the people that are currently leading us astray from following you in the name of Jesus. Help me cause my light to shine. Help me stand up for righteousness. Help me stand up for truth. Help me stand up. Help me love people the way you love them with grace and with truth. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I do not want to continue to walk in the, uh, to walk in the, in the way of sinners, to stand in the way of sinners or to sit in the seat of mockers. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I embrace your way. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen and amen and amen. Father, we thank you. We give you all praise. We ask, Lord, that you would establish us in the truth of your word. You would establish us in righteousness. You would help us continually live lives that please you. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen, amen, amen. Please go ahead and take your seats. I need to give someone an opportunity here today before we close. If you are here and you haven't given your heart to Jesus, there is so much God wants to do with you. And this message is also for you. So if you are that person who has strayed, you used to know Jesus, used to know him as your Lord and Savior, but you are currently not in a relationship with him. Or you've never even accepted him in your, in your life. You've never invited him in. Can I please ask that you... Receive his love this morning. He wants to love you. He loves you already. You just need to receive the gift of salvation and this gift of righteousness that he promises you. So can I ask that you raise your hand with all eyes closed and heads bowed. And I'll lead you in a prayer. If that is you, ushers will go across the room and if you're online, please go ahead and indicate in the comment section and our ushers will get across to you. Dear Father, I come to you today and I acknowledge that I am a sinner. Forgive me my sins. Have mercy on me. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your love. I receive this gift of salvation. And by extension, I receive the gift of righteousness. Make your home with me. Help me please you. Holy Spirit, come into my heart. And help me live a life that honors God. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for the ones that have surrendered their hearts to you. We give you praise because you will continue to guide them. You will lead them. You will walk with them. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen and amen. So go ahead and have a beautiful week of righteous living. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash lifepointng.